Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is my Pops, and today we will be discussing Iron Man 3. Welcome, ladies and germs. <laughs> and uh, today, just a couple of uh, uh, things to, to announce right off the bat, we are together in the same room, which is kind of different from normal. We are in uh, my home in beautiful Simpsonville, South Carolina. And it's the holiday season. We just uh, wrapped up doing Christmas with my side of the family. Uh, Nana and Pops are here in, in the house with us, as well as some other uh, family members. So if you hear a little bit of noise in the background, um, that's what that is. And that's just how we're going to roll today. And um, we also have a, a live studio audience, sort of. Our, our wives are going to be uh, kind of listening in and out of the recording. So if you hear uh, some uh, giggling or laughing, it's probably because they are making fun of us at some point. So that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Right. And just so you know, it is not canned laughter. It would be real laughter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Iron Man 3. We're going to come back now to the MCU after taking a, a pretty big detour through a couple of different genres and uh, storylines. And so uh, I really feel good after this is, this is going to be a good palate cleanser from the last movie that we that we reviewed. This is true. <laughs> it was my fault. And uh, if I just feel as pops that we did Ninja Turtles one and two that we had to do number three. Mm hmm. It's like when we do some Batman, I'm going to insist that we have to do Catwoman, uh, which is probably going to be more abrasive than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 3. But yeah. you never know. Yeah. Some in our audience may feel differently, and feel free to email us. True. Yeah, that, that's true. Or you can drop us a line on Facebook or any other place on the social medias where we have a presence. That would be really cool. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a share. All right, so Iron Man three. That was this is this is the follow up movie from Phase one of the MCU. So we just had that giant blockbuster of a movie, Game Changer, Avengers, right? And this was the follow up to it. And so I think that this really was the first like normal MCU movie that like the mainstream had exposure to. So I, I think you know we, we'll talk a little bit about the, how it performed, and you could see it's probably reflective of that. You and I, of course, we were there for day one with Iron Man, but the, the mainstream didn't really wasn't paying. They weren't paying attention until after the previous movie came out, and now so this one, you know, you, I think you have some stats about how well it performed in the the box office. And That's true. Of it. Also, as you discussed, we were there from the beginning. Yeah. But there was such a hype about the Avengers movie, as I shared with you, they had the trailer at the end of the movie, just before the Avengers movie, and yeah. I had to watch <laughs> the Avengers because they did such a great job of drawing you into that movie. And mm -hmm. I think, like you said... Most of the mainstream that really didn't care too much about it all of a sudden thought, wow, yeah. this is going to be epic. Right. So this is the first movie after that. And we said that this MCU has been broken down into quarters. Phases. Phases, right? Yeah. So this is like phase two of the four phases, right? 
Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Right now we're in where they have four phases. I, I would have to guess, given the, the track record of, of Disney and its properties, that they'll probably have multiple more phases. But right now there are four phases. Right. For this particular story yeah. that they've told over all these movies. Mm-hmm. Everything has a little bit, even though it's a story that can stand on its own, it still is part of a bigger picture. Right. Agreed. So, anyways, uh, came out. When did it come out? Release uh, date? It was May the 4th, 2013. May the 4th. Be with you. Right. That's yep. right. It's also uh, my nephew and your, your grandson's birthday. So That's correct. Yes. Star Wars baby. <laughs> as we always say. That's right. And uh, with the big production of the Avengers. Wait, was that, was that, was that, was he, was he born 2013? I believe so. No. Wasn't yeah. it 2013? Yeah, so he was literally born on that day. Yep, that's right. Wow. That's cool. Pretty incredible, huh? Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be seven. He's seven years old, and he's going to be seven. Yeah. And believe it or not, he's a big Iron Man fan. He is, that's right. He loves <laughs> Iron Man, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love the way he says it with his Southern South Carolina accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very precious. But, um, yeah, so that's where we were. We were at the hospital uh, wait, awaiting his arrival. That's so, correct. So that, so that would be where we were that particular day. Right. We did not see it when it first came out. Right. That's true. <laughs> and I do have to say that based on the Avengers movie, the production of this movie, their budget was $200 million. Right. Was the budget for the movie. However, it was highly successful. It made $1.215 billion. So that means it made over a billion dollars profit. Right. Is that like crazy? Yeah. Because you would think the 200 mil is what they use to do right. pay the actors mm-hmm. all the special effects directors all the people that that took charge in this movie and then they still had that money left over yeah and did disney own them then yeah and so it was like great investment yeah it was you know? the, this was the second disney produced movie so the first one was avengers right right so and i do think that that is Probably ninety percent of why it did so well is because it was it was off the Avengers coattails, right? And again, they spare no every money dollar that they spent is yeah. spent well. They had Brian Tyler doing the composition for the music, and mm-hmm. he was one, he's a guy that's influenced by John Williams, right? Who done, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many different things he's done. Right. Star Wars, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was his big influence for this movie. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Cool. Yeah, so that's cool. uh, And the other thing that we should note is that this is the first Iron Man movie and the last Iron Man movie that was uh, not directed by Jon Favreau. It was directed by Shane Black. That's correct. So no ACDC. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other thing that Shane Black has an uh, interesting pedigree. He he was uh, the writer of the Monster Squad in the eighties. He was a cast member on. Uh, he was in the Predator movie. Yeah, and I think he wrote a couple other action movies as well. So that, that's kind of his pedigree. So it's interesting that they decided to tap him, and he wrote some movies as well. Uh, he wrote the Lethal Weapon movies. 
Right. Well, he was part writer on this, wasn't he? Yes, that's correct. So he not only he kind of the story that he wrote this movie. I think that the people that saw the Avengers movie, yeah, probably not didn't think that well of this movie hmm. because there, although there was some action in it, there was. I'm going to say a lot less action than there was in the Avengers movie. Oh, well, that's that's definitely true. The, the other thing that's interesting is uh, the story material that it, it came it borrowed from. So a lot of the characters and the kind of the MacGuffin in the movie or the, the plot point, and some really MacGuffin, the extremist project, that was actually a storyline from the mid-2000s, was kind of like a reboot of the Iron Man franchise. It was for Iron Man Volume 4. Which uh, right, two thousand five, two thousand and six yeah. is when they came out with that. Which is really interesting going back and reading because this we'll talk about the differences between it as we go through the the, the movie. But they really wanted to re- redo Iron Man in a way that kind of made him more relevant to the twenty first century. But one thing that they did, you know, they're just kind of imagining what kind of tech would be modern. Right, right. This was before the smartphone was invented. So it's really interesting to go back and read uh, just kind of the things like, oh, yeah, well, it was like a big deal that he had this, uh, you know, satellite network that gave him mobile broadband Internet access. You know, that was kind of like a huge plot point saying, wow, wouldn't that be amazing if that existed? Yeah. And then a few years later, the smartphone comes out and just it completely changes everything. So it's fascinating to see the writers trying to figure out the foresight of what would be kind of new technology that would be cutting edge. And they, you know, they totally missed that the smartphone that was coming. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah, and then, but the the really good writers and storytellers, mm-hmm. they have a vision of that. Yeah. Um, like I always uh, talk about the original Star Trek. Right. Their communicators flip up. Well, I mean, how many years later? I mean, it was a long time later, yeah. but flip phones communication. Uh, when they first came out, you were able to like yeah. walk, use them like walkie-talkies. Well, well, that actually was more of a, a, a in a sense of art imitating life or life imitating art because the original Motorola cell phones, if you remember, the the flippy part was the the bottom part where you spoke into it. Right. Whereas in Star Trek, it was the top part. You remember? Yes. Now yes. the interesting thing that that the first like super successful. Motorola cell phone was the StarTac, which was it flipped on the top. Yes, and that changed everything. Absolutely. And, and where did they get the idea? They got the idea from Star Trek. Yes. So, so it was kind of the other way around. It, you know, they decided to copy the the science fiction thing as opposed to the science fiction trying to predict what the what would happen in the future. So anyway, it's interesting. The the other uh, so that was kind of the extremist uh, storyline was the kind of the inspiration of this movie but they did they like i said besides the character and the the project extremist name they kind of diverge from there we'll we'll get to it from uh from, we'll go beat by beat and we'll talk about right it. that was uh warren ellis that wrote that for that right and uh, i guess they you would call it an homage they yeah. used his name yeah for the president of the united states was president ellis right so yep Yep, very good. They wanted to give him uh, cred, right? Yeah, no, and they 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 really they really should have because um, a lot of 
the retelling of the Iron Man story is also borrowed heavily. So um, the Afghan war thing from the first Iron Man was also borrowed from the extremist storyline. So they definitely owed a lot to Ellis and his story. Yes. So cool. All right, let's get into it. So let's start off with the opening uh, monologue that Tony has at the beginning of this movie. He says some interesting things. We'll talk about uh, what he has to say and see if what he says actually makes any sense. A famous man once said, we create our own demons. Who said that? What does that even mean? Doesn't matter. I said it because he said it. So now he was famous and basically getting said by two well-known guys. I don't, uh, I'm going to start again. Let's track this from the beginning. So we have an interesting concept that this movie is actually told as a narrative. So it's, it's Tony talking about his story. So that's the first thing. Second thing is he has this quotation said, a famous man once said, we create our own demons. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I tried looking to see if that was an actual quote from somebody. And? I couldn't find one. The only person that they attributed to was Tony Stark. So Right. Well, he's a famous <laughs> person. He is. So, I mean, and he's old guy with wisdom, right? When does his comics start coming out? I mean, he's a real old guy, so. Yeah. He that, must know what he's talking about, uh, right? Yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think about that saying, though, that we create our own demons? What do you think? Uh, no, I think the demons are already out there. You got to accept, you know, yeah. you can let them in or right. you can stay away from them. Well, so I think that it's partially true, right? So I do think that a lot of the problems and the evil that we create is self-created, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're responsible for a lot of the problems that we have, whether it's addiction or you know, other types of sin problems. I think that sometimes a lot of it is self-inflicted. It's in, our, it's in our nature just to be sinners, right? Well, you know, we have a free will to make choices. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's just that's just the sin nature that we've gotten from since the garden, right? It's, yes. It's the sin nature, right? Yes. But also at the same time, there's also external evil, personal evil out there, right? Demons and, and you know, devils and, and things like that. So, oh, yes. Right. We live in a world full of it. Right. Exactly. So it's 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 not just we create our own demons. We, there There is a truth to that part, but it's incomplete. Right. This, Correct. That so, so, we're, we're sometimes we're responsible for some of the evil out there, but also there's this external personal evil that is definitely set to destroy. Right. The destroyer. Yes. And even in Tony's experience, that is completely true. I mean, just the previous movie, the Chitari had nothing to do with him. The Thanos had nothing to do with him. Loki had nothing to do with him. And yet, that was evil in the world that he had to fight. Yes. Since the first movie, we've seen Tony first get a new heart. Right. That he made with the electromagnet. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen his heart change Yeah, through movie one. Then it changed again mm -hmm. through movie two. And now we're, he's had a different feeling through the Avengers. And now he's growing right. even more. Yeah. That's a really good point, and that that's one thing I think that is the strongest uh, strongest point in the movie. The strongest story point is kind of the aftermath of the Battle of New York. It's what's been now known as the the whole thing of them fighting the Chitari off at that very last moment. 
saving the day by putting a nuclear warhead into space and then at the last moment dropping back to Earth and getting caught by the Hulk. Right, and we'll see that storyline's going to develop through the majority of this movie. Right, exactly. So we'll go through each little part Mm -hmm. and we will see how that festers in his mind. Right, yeah. So Exactly. So the... As Tony mentions in that clip, let's go back to the beginning. So we we go, I don't think to the beginning, beginning, but we go back to 1999, New Year's Eve in Switzerland, of all places, Bern. And there was some sort of a conference that Tony was at. Yes. yes. And we see uh, Happy Hogan as his bodyguard with a mullet. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That is one of the greatest parts. I love that. Yeah. So he's he's, uh, his old... Uh, womanizing drunk self so he's drunk he's with this uh, botanist named maya hansen maya was a character from the extremist storyline she was a botanist there as well and also kind of behind the extremist project but she actually worked for a company called future farm which does not take place uh, that that future farm company is not in this movie at all it's just a product of the uh, the storyline in the comics right and also he is at this big New Year's Eve party, right? right? Yep. So we have to say that. Mm -hmm. And he's introduced to uh, Dr. Wu. Yes. Did you see that? And what I have to tell you about that is in this movie, when it went all around the world, Mm -hmm. when it went to China, there was an extra four minutes that they installed into the movie. Okay. With scenes with Dr. Wu. Uh Uh-huh. They, like, stretched them out a little bit, and then they also had in the last part of the movie, which we'll discuss it then, I'll, I'll share a little something then, but okay. they added a lot of products. You know how we've talked before about, oh, McDonald's must have paid a lot yeah. to be in that. They did, they did various Chinese products for the, oh. for the Chinese audience. Interesting. And on top of all that, when it was supposed to come out in the UK, yeah. Uh, the ex-Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, had passed away, and that was the day of her, her funeral when it was supposed to come out. Mm. So they had to set it back until yeah. the day after the funeral. Interesting. So it was kind of crazy. Yeah. But he meets Dr. Wu, and in our version, he just like says hi to him, kind of, and then he wants to get upstairs yeah. with the female. Right, right. And then we also see a brief uh, flash of Jensen. Yes. Right. So from it's a callback to the first movie where, you know, he's he, he's the one that saves Tony, and he says, "Yeah, we met back in Bern, back in the '90s. Remember that?" Right. Yeah. Yes. And so we actually see that actual scene. So I thought that was really cool that they brought it kind of full circle. Right. That's true. Yeah. Then they get on the elevator, and guy with long blonde hair and yeah. a cane, he's having trouble walking. Right. Comes in and he's trying to get Tony to be invest in something that he's doing. Right. Advanced Idea Mechanics, which is AIM. Right. It's a uh, an organization that's been around since the 60s in Marvel as a as a bad guys, a bunch of bad guys. Yes. Uh, Not Hydra. No, no. Dif- different uh, different bad guys. But bad guys nonetheless. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Tony kind of pays him a little bit of lip service. Tells him to go to the roof and he'll meet him up there in 20 minutes. And apparently he had no intention of actually doing that. Maybe he did. I don't know. Part of me thinks that he did and he just got blackout drunk and just forgot about it. Um, But I don't know. 
Well, I thought that too, but he was watching what the girl was doing. Yeah. And uh, she had told Happy to not to mess with the plant. You know, she was a botanist. Well, yeah, that, that would happened after the elevator, though. Right. But what I'm saying was he went up there. Yeah. And he might have had an intent to go up there. Yeah. But he went into the room with the botanist. Yeah. And Happy broke a leaf off the plant, and what happened? Well, yeah, that exploded, yeah. And so he could have, like, totally forgot about him by then. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's, ends up happening. Uh, so Tony looks at Maya's work. He's impressed with it. They decide to get romantic. And like you said, that, that, and Happy does the, the leaf thing. It blows up, and everybody's okay. It's fine. And then... At that point, that's pretty much it. So we see the beginnings of the extremist project, and basically she's looking to hack the genetic code of organisms to make them stronger and better, and that's kind of it. But obviously it's unstable, right, because just a little bit of uh, monkeying with the the plant made it blow up, right? Right. So Tony tells us this little story, and he's starting from the beginning, so this is where the story begins. Right. Yep, and then we flash back to the present, and we see now that Tony is dealing with some of the impact from the Battle of New York. And so now he's suffering from two things that we uh, see. Number one, insomnia, so he hasn't been sleeping much. And then he also has mania, so he's manic. He has to keep on building, improving armors and whatnot. So I think the last one that we saw in Avengers was the Mark 7 or Mark 8. Mark 8, yes. Right. So this one in the the beginning of the movie is the Mark 42. Right. So that tells you how many different variations of the armor he's been working on since. Right. And he, I also say that he has paranoia, a lot of paranoia that yeah. he feels that right. he needs to keep improving some way the suits because he believes yeah in his mind that he's the one mm-hmm. that has to do all the saving sure and how can he do all the saving with just one suit of armor right yeah yeah there's that and and it, the interesting thing about the sequence that we see here is that he's injecting something into his arms i don't know if you noticed that but he's injecting so i think that is also a callback to the extremist storyline because the way the extremists worked in the comics is that you would uh, have this product injected into you and it made you faster more responsive and things like that and so the extremist modification that Tony made in the comics, it what he injected the under uh, suit mesh from his iron armor into the hollow of his bones to be stored there, so he could put it on really quick. Wow! And so I think it was kind of a throwback because he was he injected you know microfiber whatever in his. It was some technical mumbo jumbo and extreme for extremism. Right, right. Well, um... <laughs> so. What do they call them? Nanobots? Maybe it might yeah. have had something to do with that. Right, yes. Maybe. So you have that in in the movie here, what he's injecting is like these magnetic things so he can actually move his arms around and the armor will respond based on his gestures. And so what, what he's doing now, the Mark 42 will automatically suit him up just by him like waving his arms or whatever. So, that's, so he kind of like uses... Uh, hand gestures and like his brain waves in order to manipulate it so this right that he is controlling right the suit 
right. without having the suit on. Right. And so here we also get um, the sequence of him doing this to music, but it's not to ACDC. It's to Christmas music. So this is technically a Christmas movie. There you go. <laughs> I'm all I'm all good with that. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't happen to get a copy of that, did you? Bring us a tab on that or no? No, no. I mean the the it's all visual. I mean, I mean you got the music playing, but the, what's really happening is that's true. It's, it's pretty much all visual. I, I might insert a clip of you know some of the music. We have, we have a playing in the background. Just so you know, we get our <laughs> listeners in the mood. You know, even though this will be published after Christmas, it's still it's it, we're still during the Christmas season. We're talking about this today, so yes, and you know it's Christmas every day for <laughs> Nana and Pops, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So the suiting up process is a little shaky. You know, the 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 mask uh, almost comes flying out his face upside down, so he has to kind of flip upside down to get it on. The last piece kind of hits him, and then the the armor just kind of shatters into a bunch of pieces. So it's not ready for prime time yet. But it was an interesting first test that we get to see. Uh, Yes, kind of comical in a way. Right. But yes, very good. So from that scene... We get introduced to the main villain of this movie, I guess. Uh, I guess you would say. So let's um, let's listen to the uh, Mandarin, who has been now... is a terrorist. And we'll, we'll talk about the Mandarin... And uh, after we listen to that clip. Some people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a teacher. America. Ready for another lesson. In 1864 in Sand Creek, Colorado, the U.S. military waited till the friendly Cheyenne Braves had all gone hunting waited to attack and slaughter the families left behind and claim their land. 39 hours ago, the Ali Al Salam Air Base in Kuwait was attacked. I, I, I did that. A quaint military church filled with wives and children, of course. The soldiers were out on maneuvers. The Braves were away. President Ellis, you continue to resist my attempts to educate you, sir. And now you've missed me again. You know who I am. You don't know where I am. And you'll never see me coming. Wow. Yeah. Very different from his uh, iteration in most of the comics, right? Yes. Oh, he's a great magician right it's all about magic and uh yeah he has these power rings it's almost like the final story right yeah they Thanos. well they 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 hinted at the mandarin with the first movie because the terrorist organization was called the ten rings that's correct so the mandarin was a chinese villain originally yes and remember that the story with iron man is that he was this was during the cold war era and so the Mandarin represented the Chinese communists that as as kind of like an enemy, right? Um, and so, like like uh, Pops just mentioned that the ten mystic rings that he had, they had magical powers. And I think you also mentioned we talked about this off mic, but that he was also a villain in some of the Doctor Strange storylines, right? Yes, yeah, he was. So very different than this particular one. He's uh, a terrorist. It reminds me a lot of a lot of the ISIS uh, uh, propaganda videos that were kind of in, in 
around that time. Right, and it's in the same vein as that. They right. would, he showed uh, people getting executed. and Right. They t- kind of, uh, the writers of the story, mm-hmm. They he wasn't Chinese, but they tried to make the things around him. They were like Chinese props because he was obsessed. Yeah. They tried to make you believe that he was obsessed with this uh, general right that was a famous general for tactics mm-hmm. i know yeah that he was noted for right all that so that's what they kind of tried to lean towards in yeah. the movie on this i was a little disappointed when i first saw it that he wasn't the magic mandarin and i didn't see him yeah flying in the air and <laughs> using his rings but yeah well i t- there are uh, announcements just as of the time of this recording about uh, Shang Chi and the Mystic Rings. Yes. So that's it's, I think it's going to be a Disney Plus thing, but that will feature the actual Mandarin and not this uh, right this well, version of the Mandarin. In so. the Iron Man CG that came out after yeah these movies, they did have the Mandarin as the main villain, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of zapping in and out of yeah you know dimensions and stuff so cool yeah it was more realistic to the storyline of mandarin than right this. right right but this is a good villain yeah yeah I, I think so so yeah we get introduced to the mandarin uh tony's obviously very uh upset by it as well as the president obviously the mandarin calls out the president ellis by name in the video he mentions the sand, sand creek massacre of 1854 which was a incident that happened during the Indian Wars of the mid uh, 19th century, and th- those things went on in various times. And like most of history, it's a mixed bag. Uh, that it, it does seem a, a pretty atrocious thing that did happen, and it was totally evil, totally wrong for it to happen. Bad things happened uh, a lot, and there were multiple perpetrators on multiple sides and if you're looking at the history of any nation it, you're going to see a lot of nasty things it's just part right. of the the sin the and thing that we talked about and it's the stronger force that is usually the victor mm-hmm. and it's the force that you know is being subdued right that you kind of pull for you you feel sorry for mm-hmm. because we are a nation that roots for the underdog mm-hmm. you know yeah so in this story, that kind of yeah. gets our bones going, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Okay, so the next, he calls out the president. Right. So what's the president's response to that? So the, the, the response is to have uh, Rhodey uh, reskinned into the Iron Patriot. So War Machine becomes Iron Patriot. He gets a paint job. And uh, right. Iron, Iron Man thinks it's really corny, but they said that with the focus groups, they uh, they tested it out and... Uh, it, it seemed to be more successful. Right, and who is the focus group? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so they're talking about what's going on in uh, t- Tony and Rhodey are in a bar. They're, they're talking over these things and you know trying to think of ways they can stop the Mandarin from uh, carrying out his attacks. And Iron Man gets uh, some fans that approach him to ask for his autograph, right? Yes, and they start asking him questions that he doesn't want to answer. Well, I, I, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. So there, there's a there's a little girl asking for his like she drew a picture of him asking for him to sign it, and there's a little boy that was with her, and I'm assuming their brother and sister, and the the little boy says to, like whispers to Tony, "How did you get out of the wormhole?" And that sets him off. 
But I, I'm wondering, did he really say that, or did, did Tony just think about like? Did, well, did he imagine him saying that? I well, don't know. The, the little girl's picture, right, was of him with the bomb on his back, right. You know, so right. Did he look at that picture and then, yeah, hallucinate that? Because do you remember what he wrote on the picture? It helped me. He yeah. Put, so you know, it could have been psychosomatic. I don't know. Well, anyway, either way, whether it was imagined or real, he has a panic attack or oh, yeah. an anxiety attack, and he has to run to uh, his suit of armor that was parked outside, and Jarvis had to give him a med scan saying, you're okay, there's nothing uh, physically wrong with you, I think you might have had an anxiety attack. Yes, and which uh, we are not saying, you know, that is a real thing. Oh, sure. That people have those issues, and yeah. uh, it's terrible, mm-hmm. and now... Like in typical Marvel style, mm-hmm. they're not afraid to go down any alleyway, right? To you know discuss that. what is a problem yeah. and bring it to the surface so that people yeah. know about it. And, and you think about it. I mean, if you just fended off an alien invasion force from destroying, and you you know you. It also destroyed most of New York City, the biggest city mm-hmm. in in the world. And you just found out that aliens exist. They don't like us. They're coming after us. And you had to, you know, at that point with him putting the nuclear warhead in the in space, he was ready to die at that point. He thought he was going to die. You know, yes, and he so he was ready to so, give himself up. Right. So you know, you think about a soldier in war suffering from post traumatic stress disorder. I mean, this right. is very similar. Oh yeah, things that he suffered. So it would make only make sense that he would have anxiety issues coming back, trying to adjust back to normal life. Right, which they are addressing the PTSD. Yeah. and also both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that was like. I think it was more that, you know, the directors and writers, they wanted to make it more character-based oh, story yeah. than action-based. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of action, like I said, but right. it's more character-based than it is action-based, right. I think. Yeah, definitely. All right, so from there, uh, we move to a new scene where we're at Sark Industries. Happy is now, Happy Hogan is now a character that is head of security. And he is taking his job very seriously. He's making sure everybody's wearing the badge and that he's making he's checking out and making sure that people who are visitors are wearing their badges. And so there is a meeting that is scheduled between uh, Aldrich Killian, who was uh, introduced to us back in 1999 as this, like you said, this uh, weak guy, uh, kind of weird hair. And now he is very fit looking. He seems very physically capable. He's got a haircut. And he looks totally different now. Yeah, I was just going to say that in 1999, he kind of looked like uh, your brother today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Their hair was about the same length. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, I would agree with that. So anyway, he's got a meeting scheduled with Pepper to introduce his new product, Extremis. And so he's got a demo for her. And uh, let's listen to the demonstration here. After years dodging the president's ban on immoral biotech research, my think tank now has a little something in the pipeline. It's an idea we like to call extremis. I'm going to turn your lights down. Regard the human brain 
Uh, wait, hold on, hold on. That's that's the universe. My bad. But if I do that. That's the brain. Strangely mimetic, though, wouldn't you say? Wow, that's amazing. Thanks, it's mine. What? This, you're inside my head. It's a it's a live feed. Come on up, I'll prove it to you. Come on. Now, pinch my arm. I can take it. Pinch me. <gasps> what is that? It's the primary somatosensory cortex. It's the brain's pain center. But this is what I wanted to show you. Now, extremis harnesses our bioelectrical potential. And it goes here. This is essentially an empty slot. And what this tells us is that our mind, our entire DNA, in fact, is destined to be upgraded. Right. So we now get introduced to what Extremis does. And from a consistency standpoint, it does seem to behave very similar to the original Extremis storyline. So it's supposed to enhance abilities and uh, you know strength and constitution and things like that and so anyway Killian introduces this thing to, to Pepper and Happy there's another guy named Savin who is with him that's kind of like Killian's lackey it's kind of his uh, right his henchman yes right yes and one of his henchmen yeah yeah his main one and he's not wearing his badge so Happy does not happy about that <laughs> and that's true he decides to uh, kind of tattle on Pepper with uh, with Tony, right? Because he is outside and, and he doesn't trust these right. guys. Plus, uh, she had the meeting without him knowing about it, right? And so he had no time to check these people out because he's really, really into his job as hazard of security, right? You know. And the other part is that he he also sees that uh, Killian is trying to get close with Pepper. And so he sees that as a threat as well, and he, he, he does mention that to Tony, saying, like, you know, if you let her slip through your fingers, you know, you, you're missing you're missing out, right? Right. So he, yes. wants, he wants them to still be together, and so that's kind of why he's also bringing it to Tony's attention. Yes. So um, Happy tells, or he just, he calls Tony and lets him know what's going on. Right. Tony's, like, oblivious. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, no problem. You right, know? yeah. But, well, at least he makes us feel that it's not something that's bothering him. Right. Or or the other part of it is that he's he just can't depend on Happy to give him, like, really helpful intel. He has to do it himself. Happy can't even flip the screen to show him a picture of their meeting, right? That's true. Yes. And so he does do it himself. <laughs> right. So, so that happens. And um, Pepper finishes hearing his sales pitch. And she decides to decline his offer because she believes that the extremist project could be weaponized. And because Stark Industries no longer wants to be in the weapon business, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So they go away and Happy... Right. He doesn't seem to be happy about that. Either. No, no. And, ha- and Happy, the character, he's a driver, uh, the, the bodyguard, head of security guy, he decides he's going to tail them because he still has a, a funny feeling about them. So he snaps a picture of their car... And their license. Right. Yeah. So. And Peppers decides she's going to go home. Right. Exactly. So we've we've now uh, found that uh, she now is living with Tony in his Malibu house. And she drives home. She sees a Christmas present for her, which was a 
giant overstuffed <sighs> rabbit. Two story maybe. <laughs> it's the same. Anyway, she she gets inside and Tony's in his Mark Forty Two armor, and she he, he decides to say hey, give her a shoulder rub, and uh, she wants to talk to him face to face, and he seems kind of evasive about that. Right, kiss the kiss the lips on the mask. Yeah, exactly. Know? And so she suspects something's up, and so she decides to go down to the garage or the basement where he's normally tinkering, and he's there. So right. he, he he's was doing pull-ups. Right, he was he was controlling the Mark Forty Two remotely. So he was. Uh, they were supposed to have dinner and everything, and he's already ate, and so she's extremely upset with him before kind of kind of doing his own thing and not really paying attention to her. Yes. He actually, uh, he says, well, I didn't know when you were coming home. And right, yeah. He assumes, oh, I thought you might be out with Killian, right? Yes, Which yes. Was, he, that was his little dig. Yeah. You know, and, if he was paying attention, like uh, talking to Happy, he would know that the meeting did not go well and it was over and it was No nothing. big deal. Right, yeah. exactly. But it uh, didn't work out that way. Right, she actually stood behind Tony's thoughts and vision for the business. Right. But no, he didn't. Right. Got to be done his own way. Yep, yep. And before she storms off, uh, you know, Tony finally opens up, talks about what's really bothering him. Hey, I admit it. My fault. Sorry. I'm a piping hot mess. It's been going on for a while. I haven't said anything. Nothing's been the same since New York. Oh, really? Well, I didn't notice that at all. You experience things, and then they're over, and you still can't explain them? Gods, aliens, other dimensions? I'm, I'm just a man in a can. The only reason I haven't cracked up is probably because you moved in, which is great. I love you. I'm lucky. But honey, I can't sleep. You go to bed. I come down here. I do what I know. I tinker. Threat is imminent and I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without that's you and my suits they're uh machines they're part of me a distraction maybe yep so we get a couple interesting things here I mean number one if like she's so important to him why didn't he just marry her well yeah and <laughs> Why did it take so long to yeah. tell her that he's having issues if she's right. the only strength that he has and her the only reason he hasn't gone crazy is because she moved in. Yeah. Well, gee, if you're having those issues, why didn't you talk to her about those in the beginning? Yeah, it almost seems like, hey, a wife would be really helpful at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, you think? Yeah. So that's first thing. The other thing is interesting that he talks about the fact that he knows he knows knows what what he's supposed to do is tinker, and she thinks that his suits are or his working on the things is a distraction. Right. What, what do you think about that? Well, probably because in order for him to have to face reality, he's going to have to admit mm -hmm. that he's not the savior of everything. He's a superhero that. Is has flaws and mm -hmm. he has faults and problems and he doesn't want to open up about that he needs help. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of me thinks, yeah, it can be a distraction, but the other part is that he's doing those things in order so he can be ready for the next battle, right? I mean, because that, that's the reality. He, the first battle of New York was just kind of the 
opening salvo from the bad guys, right? Right, and that's that's his paranoia kicking in, right? Because but but it's run... it's it's well found. It's is it paranoia if they're really out to get you? I don't know. <laughs> well, the paranoia part is the part that as Christians we lift all of our problems mm-hmm. up to God and up to Jesus, mm-hmm. then we shouldn't have those worries and we say that he's going to take care of those things. Sure. Whatever they might be. Right. You know, so in his case, it would be an issue of I will get my Mach 42 or Mark, you know, however many yeah. that I make, uh-huh. they'll be ready before the next attack comes. But his thing is, he's thinking that it could be any day, mm-hmm. could happen any time. Yeah. And he feels that he's not going to be ready for it when mm. it comes. Yeah. You know, at least that's my thought. Well, I, I think part of it is that, but even though, and I would agree with you, that God's word does tell us to be anxious for nothing. Uh, it's a command by Jesus not to be anxious. Totally agree with that. But at the same time, it doesn't mean like, if there's problems out there, don't don't do anything, right? So, I think there is a healthy way to prepare for trials that come, right? But there's also a wrong way to do it as well, right? Right. So I think that we have to make that distinction that there, there's right. We're not supposed to sit and do nothing, right? Exactly. That's my point. But the we know mm-hmm. if we've given our will and we've decided that he's going to handle it mm-hmm. then we do it without being anxious yeah we will take the step forward and just know yeah that he's going to give us the wisdom to right. follow right. through we, we can trust god that uh, he will guide us to make the the right actions to prepare for the the, right. the things that are coming ahead right which in his case He's still thinking that he's... Right, he can't trust... The only person who trusts himself. Exactly. Right, which is, you know, pretty crappy place to put your trust. (laughs) Right, because we know as humans, we are totally flawed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so... We uh, try to do good, but we can just as easily mess up something as, you know, all it takes is put one foot in one mouth and we've said the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. so... That's true, that's true. So yeah, that that night, uh, Tony is sleeping... So that, that's a good thing. He's, you know, finally, yeah. yes. But uh, it turns out that his armor is responding to some commands that he's doing in his sleep, and so the armor, uh, like, almost attacks Pepper. And uh, you know, obviously, he stops the armor just in time for it to kind of deactivate. But it was kind of like looming over her, so it freaks right. her out. She uh, is trying to. She hears him moaning and groaning and. Yeah. Turning and she's trying to wake him up, right. and then the armor grabs her, right? And then he does wake up, right? So yeah, that 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 so that that kind of sets her off, saying that hey, I can't be with you when you're like this. It's not healthy. And then she says, "Okay, I'm out of here." Right. Yep. I'm gonna sleep downstairs. She doesn't say she's leaving. Right. She just says, "I'm gonna go sleep downstairs." Right. And so from there, right, then we move over to a completely different scene at uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. Which is a little bit of ways away, but uh, that that's where Savin, the uh, the lackey for Killian, ends up, and so uh, right, Happy and, uh, is tailing him. Yes, he's followed him. Right, which uh, you know, for a guy that was kind of like his personal bodyguard and mm-hmm. then becomes security guard, he is really taking his 
yeah. position really serious. Yeah, so he notices that there's another uh, guy. We see that he's uh, a veteran of some sort. He has dog tags, and uh, he's got. Looks like he has some sort of tick about him. You and know, seven gives it, has a uh, yeah like, briefcase with him. Right. So we think it's some sort of a drug or something like that. You're kind of led to believe that. But Happy tries to intervene to see exactly what that stuff is. He kind of gets a hold of a little bit of it. Uh, Savin confronts him. They fight a little bit. And then the other guy ends up just... We, we see Savin kind of glowing as he's fighting him. And the other guy glows as well. And the other guy explodes. So. Right. He takes a... Uh, it's almost like cocaine or some kind of drug that right. he breathes like. in. Yeah. And... Uh, it's supposed to stabilize him. But right. it turns and out he did the exact opposite. Right. Compared to in the scene in 1999, right when we saw the plant explode, right. it wasn't that big of a deal. But right. but once a human being, not a plant. Yes, right. Amplified. Totally different. Yeah. So uh, Happy is caught in the mix. He's in the explosion. He's severely injured, and right. Uh, he does see it like it's happening, and he is behind a, right, like a kiosk or something. Right. So even with that not being like a close proximity. He's still very badly injured. So we're, we're working with that. And Savin, the other guy, he also is caught in the blast, but he survives, right? He's walking out, he's glowing, and then he turns back to normal and he walks away. Right, and we kind of see a little bit of what's going on there because his yeah. leg, something happens with his leg and then right. all of a sudden it glows and it starts growing back together uh-huh. and becoming whole. Right. So we get a little bit of idea of what happens that. Yep. And then next we get another a Mandarin right, exactly. issue, right? He yep. comes on the television. Right. He claims responsibility for the incident. Right. And we know how can that be because he wasn't there. That's true. That's you know? true. Right. But so so the idea, so what, what, what Tony knows now is that explosion happened. Happy was in the middle of it. He's almost dead. He's in the hospital and... He now knows that there is another video released by the Mandarin claiming responsibility for it. So all he knows is that his best friend, one of his best friends, is almost dead because of the Mandarin. That's what he thinks. Yes. Right. So obviously on his way out from the hospital, there's a media storm that just kind of gathers around him asking for his comment. And so he gives his comment here. Somebody gonna kill this guy? Just saying. Is that what you want? Here's a little holiday greeting I've been wanting to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to phrase it until now. My name is Tony Stark, and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward, so I've decided that you just died, pal. I'm gonna come get the body. There's no politics here, it's just good old-fashioned revenge. There's no Pentagon, it's just you and me. And on the off chance you're a man, here's my home address. 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked. That's what you want, right? Fill me. So I don't know if you noticed, but that was Killian who goaded Was that Tony. Killian? Yeah, it was. 
Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, it, I don't know. Okay. Well. It kind of looked like him, but I don't know if that was If I'm him. wrong. Yeah. Then maybe one of our listeners could uh, yeah. re-watch it and let me know. <laughs> you can always email us. That's true. Or write us on Facebook. Yep. So he gave his address out. I thought that was interesting. <sighs> now, I did have to Google it just to kind of look it up to see if that has an actual... Address? Uh, if it's, that was the actual house. Turns out the house is not real. Um, his Malibu house. And uh, that address is not real. It did show Malibu Point on the Google Maps, but there is a hill in Malibu Point that the house is kind of CG'd on top of. And so that's kind of where they, they get that from. Oh, I see. So it's kind of shades of DC, a, a non-realistic place. I mean, I guess so. I mean, the Mal- Malibu Point exists, just the house doesn't. Okay. So. Okay, so half DC. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm good with that. So Tony gets back home. Right. And he has all his stuff, and he has Jarvis right. recreate right. the scene exactly. from the explosion. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, if you remember, the uh, scene in Iron Man 2 where he wants to recreate that special element to make the his uh, heart reactor not kill him. Right, you right. Remember that, where it yes. like, kind of explodes out the, the view yes. of the map and everything? So I, very similar to that. So he kind of plays, it almost reminds me of like a scene from Batman where he plays detective. Yes. You know, very similar. Very similar. And to copy in real life, they do have cameras that CSI can use mm-hmm. that can take a 360 picture that yes. can go all the way around right. at, at crime scenes. Yep. So something quite similar, but not as high tech as Tony Stark stuff. But you never know; someday it might be like that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So they, they do. He does some detective work. He finds out that a similar incident happened uh, a couple years back in a place called Rosewood, Tennessee. And so, based on that, they uh, he decides that he's going to ask Jarvis to make a flight plan to Tennessee. But before they could even get any further in that. Things start getting a little bit crazy. The doorbell rings. Yep. And he's not expecting anybody. And he's... Even though he just gave out his address. Even though he just gave out his address. Said he would leave the door open, no less. <laughs> but he didn't. He went up. He went upstairs and it wasn't who he thought it was. Right. It ends up being Maya Hansen, who is the botanist from 1999 in Bern that he had the, the fling with. And she shows up because she's trying to warn Tony about Killian. Right. She doesn't say it uh, right then and there, but she says, "My, I think my boss right. is working with the Mandarin. Right. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, anyways, while he's talking to her, a uh, suitcase flies down to the ground next to yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, turns out Pepper's there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She wants to leave. And she thinks that's the best thing because now that he's kind of given away his address, that people are going to be uh, showing Yeah, up. like Tony, not the best thing to say, but, you know, they're arguing. Pepper and Tony are arguing. And right. Maya kind of brings to her, her attention that there's all these TV helicopters out there. And all of a sudden there's something heading towards them. Right, yeah. It's, it ends up being a, a missile. There's three three choppers, three attack helicopters that... Are gonna they're firing missiles at Tony's Malibu house, and one explodes into the the window, and Tony quickly 
used the, uses his hand motions to get the armor assembled. Yeah, for the Mach 42. Right, and it, it, he, has, he has it assemble around Pepper to protect her. Yes. Right. Which I was... I don't know. I was a little conflicted at this point in the story mm -hmm. after seeing the rest of the movie. Yeah. But Maya is caught in this blast also. Right. And so Pepper's protected by the armor. Yeah. Tony, not so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gets almost uh, some of the building almost falls on him. Right. Right. And then Pepper protects him mm -hmm. with the armor. Right. And yeah. so she sees the validity of this armor, mm -hmm. you know, that it's a good thing. Right. But from that point, he tells Pepper to get Maya out of the house. Right. So she does that. And, and then once Jarvis tells him that they're all safe. Right. He calls the armor back to him. Right. So he can deal with the choppers. Right. Which he's kind of been busy doing a lot of different things and a little... Anxious, the armor is not really battle ready. Right, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't have flight, flight capability. And like you said, it's not, not operating at peak efficiency. So he does, however, get it to shoot a piano. Yes. And blow out one of the helicopters. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yes. And then also to use his repulsor rays. I think he does that mm -hmm. on another one. Yeah, he throws a missile at it and then hits the repulsor ray to explode it with the other one. Right. And then the third <clears> one. I think it's away, right? Yeah, it, it, it actually ends up firing another missile, and it collapses the house, essentially. Right, and so then he he, he, he falls down. into the beach. Right. And, and into the water below, and then the house falls on top of him in the water. Right, and it looks like he's going to die. Yeah, drown. You know, drown there, yeah. and uh, gets to the point where Jarvis tells him to hold his breath. Right. Yeah, this was cool. Yeah, so the, the arm, or the, the gauntlet part of his armor, yes. jumps out of him. And then holds onto his hand and yes. pulls him out. Turns around, holds onto his hand, and pulls him out. <laughs> and then he takes off, and nobody sees that he's taken off. Right. Which I thought, really? Yeah. You know how how many people are there? How many yeah. helicopters you're getting? Pictures. There's news helicopters there too. You know, so you figure we saw mm -hmm. a smoke go up. Right. You know, but we didn't know they were still right. Going through the debris. So Pepper takes Maya, right? They're yeah. getting away in a car, right? Exactly. Yeah, they, they get away in a car. And the other thing that happens is we see the helicopters taking out the armors that were in the beginning of the movie. So with that beginning monologue that we listened to, the visual image that we saw were his armors being uh, blown up. And so this is that we're kind of seeing uh, we're about 36 minutes into the film. And we kind of go back to where we at, were at the beginning, kind of similar to the first Iron Man movie, where it starts in like kind of the middle of the movie and then right, it goes back. Yes. Yeah, so another interesting callback. So anyway, Jarvis gets him out. He blasts off, flies far, far away, and because of all the trauma that he suffered, he passes out. Right, he's been passed out this whole time. So the suit's been kind of acting autonomously. Right. Well, he's been out. Right. Jarvis is under, under control, I think. Exactly. Yep. Right. And he had already set uh, the suit for a destination. Right. That they were discussing it. Right. Uh, although he never told him. Let's go. Yeah. You know, let's do that. Yeah. But Jarvis knows him as and knows that that probably would be the, his next thing that he would want to do. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So. So when he wakes up, the suit's about to run out of power. And he's flying in the middle of, he doesn't know, it's snowing. And he finds out that he's 
right outside the outskirts of Rosewood, Tennessee, which was the, the site of the last incident. And the armor conks out. He is stranded in the middle of nowhere where it's snowing and he's freezing and he's got this giant hunk of armor that he's got to try to figure out how to fix. Right. He thinks he's going to get back in the armor and the armor's like, Jarvis says, hey, I'm going to sleep now. Yes. You know? Right. And Pepper and Maya, Maya tells Pepper that her boss, Killian, right. is with the Mandarin. So, But she says we have to go somewhere. Right. Safe safe yeah. first before they talk about it so right she does that tony's now in tennessee right so he i don't know where he gets the rope but he's dragging right the armor behind him mm-hmm. and then he goes to a wooden indian and takes right. a serape off of yeah him. right yep and uh, he calls pepper first or he, does he first go to the garage well no he he finds a payphone right okay and he leaves a message on the stark servers so basically any te- piece of technology will pick it up. So he leaves this message for Pepper to listen to. Pepper, it's me. Got a lot of apologies to make and not a lot of time. So first off, I'm so sorry I put you in harm's way. That was selfish and stupid and it won't happen again. Also, it's Christmas time and the rabbit's too big. Done. Sorry. And I'm sorry in advance because I can't come home yet. I need to find this guy. You gotta stay safe, that's all I know. I just stole a poncho from a wooden Indian. So he's okay, he wants to make sure Pepper gets the message. She does get the message. Uh, She was looking at uh, the cleanup of the the house and she was kind of holding the- Helmet. Helmet of the, the, one of the armors and she realized that on the inside it was beeping and when she put it on, it scanned her retina saying, oh, it's Pepper, play this message. And so she knows he's okay. Right, which uh, she, again, no matter how much Tony messes up, she really loves him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he ends up in a uh, old garage, and he brings the armor there. He meets this uh, kid named Harley. With a potato gun. Right, with a potato blaster. And he recruits Harley to help him fix the armor. And so he needs a bunch of different things from him. And his dad's not in the picture, so he's, he, he thinks that he's being bullied. And so he kind of helps him out saying, hey, I got some little piece of technology that'll help you with the bully if you'll help me out with this. And so he decides to help him. And he wants to try to remain anonymous, so he said, I'm Tony the Mechanic. So that's who I am, and you're going to help me fix this armor. Yes. So he tells him he needs a bunch of stuff, and he kind of goes into town. Mm-hmm. While he's doing that, mm-hmm. he does say to Tony that, hey, you're dead. Right. You know, so Tony's now feels like he's free to yeah. do things mm-hmm. that because uh, Killian believes he's dead too, but they haven't found right. anything yet. He's got people at the site yeah. to see what's going on. But at this point, as far as they know... yeah. He's not there. Right. And while that's happening, he also has to prepare another video. So we now it's now revealed that Killian and the Mandarin are cahoots. And so we see him preparing a, a video shoot that the Mariner's going to do, claiming responsibility for taking out uh, Tony's Malibu home. Maya had told Pepper mm-hmm. that Killian was in cahoots with him. So right. the way we look at it now, they're working together as a team. Well, actually... They're working for the Mandarin. That's what the 
Right. That's what the perception is. Right, that we think. That, that he's that, the mastermind behind everything. Yes, and he seems to be the mastermind. He's pretty uh, right. incredible how he does all that. Uh, he's got these, the right words to say at the right time. So yeah. they're getting ready again to make another broadcast. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we're at now, right? Yeah, yeah. And then while that's happening, Tony is working with Harley. And they go investigate the crime scene of what happened in, in Tennessee. What's the official story here? What happened? I guess this guy named Chad Davis used to live around the bouts. Won a bunch of medals in the army. And one day folks said he went crazy and made, you know, a bomb. Then he blew himself up right here. Six people died, right? Yeah. Including Chad Davis? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Think about it. Six dead, only five shadows. Yeah, people said these shadows are like the marked his souls going to heaven. Except the bomb guy, he went to hell and kind of he didn't get a shadow. That's why there's only five. Do you buy that? That's what everyone says. You know what this crater reminds me of? No idea. I'm not, I don't care. That giant wormhole in, um, in New York, does it remind you? That's manipulative. I don't want to talk about it. Are they coming back? The aliens? Maybe. Can you stop? Remember what I told you that I have an anxiety issue? Does this subject make you, make you edgy? Yeah, a little bit. Do Can you, I just catch my breath for a second? Are there bad guys in Rose Hill? Do you need do you need a plastic bag to breathe into? Do, do, do you have medication? Nope. Do you need to be on it? Probably. Do you have PTSD? I don't think so. Are you, are you going completely mental? I can stop. Do you want me to stop? Do you want me to Nothing stop? I said I to stop, stop doing that. I'm swearing you're going to freak me out. <laughs> oh, man, you did it, didn't you? You happy now? What did I say? Oh, shit. Hey, wait yeah he did it yeah I, I thought that was uh, it, it kind of shows a little bit of his humanity which I, thought, I thought was a good thing for us to because there is a little bit of humor in, in this there is but and you know it's a typical kid right they they're just so totally innocent they don't think any question is a bad question you know they yeah. want to know the answer yeah Tony definitely did not want to talk about it right but he did come to a conclusion about the incident. Yeah. I thought and, it was also funny, like, the theory about the shadows and going to heaven, going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> no shadow? That was really weird. Right. And Tony said to him, do you buy that? And it's He like, didn't answer. No, he said, that's what everybody says. Yeah. So he didn't say whether he believed it or not. But I just know that there's going to be a shadow... You know, for me later, yeah. maybe. Yeah. In another 147 years. But yeah. anyway, so Tony decides that he's going to go talk to the mother. Right, exactly. And so uh, Harley reveals where she, she hangs out in the bar a lot. So she ends up going to the bar. Right. So Tony goes to see her mm-hmm. and she starts talking to him as if she's expecting him. Right, exactly. So she, she assumes that he's from some other organization. And she brought some files for them, for him. And yes. so he's like, well, what's this about? 
Well, it turns out there's another individual that he bumped into before he got into the bar. A woman who was in like a, a, a suit. She claims she's from Homeland Security, right? Yes, yes, she does. Yeah. But we know a little differently, or we find out very quickly, right? That she's also someone that has a hot temper. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, you know. She also reminds me of uh, Reba McIntyre. Just wanted to say that. No, I think it's the hair, right? Yeah, it's the hair, definitely. Yeah. She claims that she's the one. That the mother was supposed to meet. Yeah, which probably is true. Right. But uh, it turns out she's not alone. She brought uh, Savin with them, so we know exactly who she really represents. Not Homeland Security. Yeah, and then the sheriff comes over, and she, like, puts her arm. Yeah. Burns through his chest or whatever. Right. Yeah, kind of, no, lady, you're not from Homeland Security. No, no, not at all. So... Tony now has to face both uh, her and him. Right, and we should also say that she's already cuffed Tony. Mm -hmm. So now he doesn't have his Iron Man suit. Right. And he needs to get away. Right, exactly. And he somehow gets out of there while she's messing with the sheriff. Right. And then that's when he sees Seven. Mm -hmm. Then we see some gunfire happening. Right. And she, uh, there's a... Deputy outside, she grabs the deputy's gun and, mm-hmm. you know, beats him up, knocks him down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're both shooting at Tony and the kid's there. Right. And so we get another little incident going on with him. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so he's telling the kid to hang out for a second and he's going to yeah. lead him away. Right. And he goes into a diner or something. Right, exactly, yeah. He goes to the diner. The lady gives chase to him. And he takes some of the oil from the, the restaurant. He spills it out on the ground because he realizes, hey, she's you know on fire, essentially. And he releases the gas. And so he creates an explosion. It blows her up and blows her out of the, the restaurant. He gets that way out the back. And she survives it. And um, Yes, and before that, though, he uses her heat to get his handcuffs right off. exactly yeah yeah he kind of chokes her and then he has his hands free that he can right do all that he turns the microwave on right and he th- takes the hose off the gas right yeah so he creates those right to make the explosion right right so that's how he gets rid of her and then he gets out the back and it turns out Savin has he t- he finds harley and takes him hostage at that right. point yes and so uh, Tony remembers, uh, tries to remind him, uh, Harley, about what he said about bullies. And so he uses the little uh, device that he gave him to blind him. And he uses his repulsor beam to, to shoot uh, Savin away from that to get Har- Brie Harley. Right. And he gets his foot, or he has his foot stuck underneath. Yeah. The wreckage of the uh, Of the diner. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They do get away. Right. They do get away. So from there... I think that's kind of the uh, the main part of that. A lot, lot of action in that scene. Right. Oh, yes. And here he is, just Tony. Right. Exactly. From that point, he decides he's going to get in the car and take off, and he tells the kid to go right. back home. Exactly, yeah. And to work on the uh, suit of armor. Yeah, make sure it charges up. Right. right. They're, sure, on they're all about working, about getting that thing charged up. Right. And in the meantime, Tony's looking at this stuff while he's driving Mm -hmm. and he decides that he needs to hack into a computer to get more information well what he does he he looks at the file that the the mother had 
Right, right. And, and it, he saw the words MIA printed out, but he realized it was backwards. Yes, and he turned it around and saw that it was AIM. So he realized that AIM was behind that soldier. So he knows that he, that's the next place he has to investigate. Right. So he's st- it's still more like a Batman story. Right. But he realizes that Rhodey, uh, that AIM was behind the Iron Patriot project. So he knows that that's where he has how he's going to hack into the system. Right. So he calls Rhodey. Yeah. And asks him uh, for his password. Gets his password, which is, <laughs> do you remember? Uh, War Machine Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> With an X. Right. Yeah. All uppercase. All uppercase. <laughs> So he gets that information, and he like he's a race car driver. He gets the yeah. car he's in to turn around, and he takes off. Which nobody ever says where he gets the car or whose car it is. Oh, it's Savin's car. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. No, that's good. That's a good call out though. Yes, right. he's going back. <laughs> right. We don't know where he's going actually. Right. Yeah. We know that he has to. He has to figure out a way to get a strong signal so he can hack into the AIM system. Right. And so we see. Next, uh, there's a beauty contest going on somewhere in Tennessee. Right, Miss uh, uh, Chattanooga or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, and uh, there's a TV van outside. Right. So he realizes that the satellite signal would be enough to, you know, hack into AIM. But the other part is the Mandarin prepared another video. Right. We talked. We did talk about that. But he he also did another video where he had the an executive from the Roxxon Oil Corporation. Right, Roxxon, which is a right another. It's an evil company. Right. That's been used in other uh, Marvel stories. Exactly. Like uh, Cloak and Dagger. Well, the the revamped Cloak and Dagger, not the original one. That's true. The revamped Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. And also the Runaways. Yes. yes. Series. It was also involved in that. Right. And there's many other stories yeah. in the past Marvel universe where that was yeah. a uh, bad guy thing. Right. So anyway, he kills him live on the air, the oil executive, to bait the president. And so the president realizes, hey, we need to have Rhodey, Iron Patriot, go and find Mandarin immediately and take him out. So they send him on a couple of missions to try to track him down. Right. And uh, their intel, not so good. No, no. No, so, but where they send him is... Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan. And the first place he goes, not the right place. Right. Then they send him somewhere else. Right. We see a, another one of these hot-tempered yeah. people. Right. And so they kind of grab Rhodey and knock, get him out. A, knock him out. Yeah. So he's knocked out. Tony, meanwhile, is in the news van... Trying to figure out, he's got Rhodey's password, so he gets in through there to check out AIM. Yeah. And I think that's where we get Stanley's cameo. Yep. Right, Stanley's cameo. He is a judge for the beauty contest. Right. So he, he's, you know, there's no... No vo- vocal. No dialogue at all, yeah. No dialogue. So, again, as we had talked before from the interview of Stan Lee, he did have a favorite, mm-hmm. but... This obviously wasn't one of his favorite cameos. Right, right. So uh, Tony gets into a van. This this guy that's in charge of the van is obsessed with Tony Stark, which is kind of funny. So you get a little bit of a funny dialogue where he's going to help him boost the signal so he can have Right, and I didn't know if the guy was a super fan or if he just was... Yeah. A wannabe, you know, and yeah. he thought that, oh, this would be a great way to pick up chicks if I look a lot like Tony Stark yeah. or you he kind of remind know. he kind of remind me of Vanilla Ice he kind of looked like Vanilla Ice 
A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I wonder if it was, but anyway, based on the hacking skills that he has, he, he's able to uh, locate information about the extremist project, and he sees kind of everything behind it that uh, these folks are being injected with this experimental uh, thing, makes them... Drug. Right. They yeah. make them uh, super hot. It, it, it will help uh, regenerate uh, lost limbs. All kinds of crazy things happening there. Right. The girl that was the uh, said she was Homeland Security right. was missing her arm. Right. Exactly. And it grew back. There were people that didn't have legs. Right. That it grew back. And then some, they it didn't take at all. Right. And they wound up exploding yep yep so yeah he finds out about that he realizes that anybody connected to aim is a suspect of being involved in this project and so uh, anybody connected to them is also in danger we flash immediately over to maya and pepper talking about it and so we don't know for sure if Maya's involved uh in the nefarious parts of the project but uh, it turns out she is because she lets uh, killian in with pepper and they take her uh, and they kidnap her. At right, this point. right. Which wasn't part of what Killian wanted to do, but Maya mm-hmm. has decided that a Pepper is important because she wants Tony's help. Right, exactly. She thinks that Tony's the only person that could help perfect the formula. Because one thing that we didn't, we we now get revealed to us is that he um, actually helped her out with the formula back in 1999. Right, but Killian. it wasn't perfect. Right, right. Tony had had written some. Ideas on the back. Yeah. So his mind was kicking way back then, even though he was thinking about other things. Right. Then he was drunk. Yes, and he was drunk. So. Right. Maya believes that that that's the only way that it's going to be perfected. Mm -hmm. So from that point, Killian takes Pepper. He has Pepper. He has the Iron Patriot armor. He has Rhodey inside the Iron Patriot armor. And so he's planning to use those bargaining chips to get Tony to cooperate with him. Right. Well, he has another plan for Iron Patriot armor. Yes, he does. And so he's decided that he is, his guys, his uh, lackey, mm-hmm. Seven. Right. Right. Is not been able to get Rhodey out of the armor. Right. And so he's decided, Killian decides he's going to take care of that himself. Right. Yeah, not, not for now. Not for a little bit of wire. Uh, Couple couple beats after this, so. So then, uh, where are we at? So Tony uh, is calling Harley to check in on Jarvis to see how he's doing, and not, he's not fixing fast enough for for Tony's liking. So he kind of has another anxiety attack while he's driving. Not the most safe thing to happen, but he does get pull over. Right, he does, which is good. But he decides that instead of trying to depend on the armor to kind of be his saving grace, he decides to go and take matters into his own hands and. We get this sequence, which I thought was really interesting, kind of reminded me of the movie Home Alone, where Kevin thinks of all these, like, MacGyvered booby traps, um, you know, taking, like, normal household things and turning them into, like, deadly weapons. That's right, yes. He, so, we see him buy fertilizer, he buys a, a glove, an he, insulated glove. He buys ornaments. He buys ornaments, that's true. And so he makes these makeshift uh, bombs. And, right, with the fertilizer right. and other uh, stuff. Right. And he makes like an electric glove to right. electrocute. Yep. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he uses that to infiltrate the uh, commander's lair in Miami. Right. Because he knows that there's something going on there. Right. They traced the broadcast signal to Miami. Right. So that that's where they, he knew needed to go next. So that's one thing I thought was a little unrealistic. So it's evening in Tennessee, in Chattanooga. 
he goes to the hardware store, he makes all these makeshift weapons, and then he drives down to Miami from Chattanooga yeah. by the next morning. Yeah. Well, he doesn't sleep. I don't know. That just seems, I mean, even like that. Well, you know, he's a multitasker. <laughs> yeah. This is Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see. Uh, that's got to be at least a 12-hour trip, right. maybe. That's my point. Yeah. Well, maybe it gets dark early in Tennessee. I don't know. Well, I think. And we don't know what time of day he showed up in Miami. Well, it had to have been the morning because the Mandarin was just waking up. Well, maybe yes. Uh, we I don't, don't know. know. Anyway. Yeah, so anyway, he infiltrates. He uses his makeshift bombs and everything like that to get in. He takes out a bunch of guys. And he finally gets to the Mandarin. We find that this character, or this, this this person, this individual, he talks very differently when he's not on camera. Yes, he has a British accent. Right. So Iron Man subdues him and tries to get him to uh, interrogate him, try to get him to talk, explain what uh, he's doing, and uh, try to figure out exactly what he he's, um, is about. And uh, he kind of reveals exactly who he is. My name's Trevor. Trevor Slattery. What are you? What are you, decoy? You're a double, right? Well, I mean, I can't study. No, absolutely not. Don't hurt the face. I'm an actor. You got a minute to live. Fill it with words. Just a role? The Mandarin? See, it's not real. Then how did you get here, Trevor? Um, well, I, um, had a little problem with, um, substances, and I ended up um, doing things, no two ways about it, in the street that a man shouldn't do. Next. And then they approached me about the role and they knew about the drugs. What did they say? Get you off them? Said they'd give me more. They gave me things. They gave me this palace. They gave me plastic surgery. They gave me things. Did you just nod off? Hey. No, on a lovely speedboat. And the thing was, he needed someone. To take credit for some accidental explosions. He? Killian? Killian. He created you. He created me. Custom made terror threat. Yes. Yes. His think tank thinked it up. Uh, the pathology of a serial killer. The manipulation of Western iconography. Ready for. Another lesson. Blah, blah, blah. Because it was my performance brought the Mandarin to life. Your performance? Where people died? No, they didn't. Look, look around you, the costumes, green screen. I, honestly, I wasn't on location for half of this stuff. When I was, it was movie magic love. I'm sorry, but I got a best friend who's in a coma and he might not wake up. So you're gonna have to answer for that. You're still going down, pal. Yeah, so that last uh, clip is Savin showing up and taking Tony out. So Tony's captured, and it's revealed that the Mandarin is just a puppet. Right, and I had a little problem with that part because mm -hmm. he supposedly killed the vice president of Roxxon, right? Yeah. Or the president of Roxxon. Well, yeah, one of the executives, yeah. Right, so... You have no well, part in this. Yeah, he said he said it was all for show. He 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 denied that that was real, and that the other ones were just accidents that happened. And he's that was a cover up. The uh, him claiming responsibility. Right, for it. but 
when Tony gets in there, we do see the chair uh-huh. and we see the dead guy on the floor, right? I don't remember seeing the dead guy. Yeah, well, I kind of remember that. Or maybe it was just a dummy and it wasn't real. Right. We don't know. Right. But from that point, now Tony is captive. Right. And um, he still doesn't have his armor. Right, exactly. He doesn't have his armor. And when he comes to, he's restrained and Maya's uh, there. And she's trying to get him to help her complete the extremist formula. Right, which in that scene, Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of a Rambo movie. Which one? Uh, where he, First Blood Part 2. Okay. Or something where he was a prisoner. Uh-huh. And they had him chained to a bed mm-hmm. spring and they were electrocuting him mm-hmm. to get him to mm-hmm. talk or whatever. He was the big bad guy. But yeah. Tony, on the other hand, they want his help. So they're not going to electrocute him. They're basically, they got him with tie straps. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so he decides to say, hey, why, why are you doing this? You used to have a conscience. Why are you working with someone like a crazy person like Killian? Right, and she pretty much says, well, he backed me. You didn't. Right. She's had this long relationship with him mm-hmm. for all these years. Right. Not many successes. Right, exactly. But they've had some successes, and that's why they're continuing. But they still need Tony's help right. to perfect their formula right yep and at this point Killian shows up and then kind of explains exactly the rest of the story what happened between 1999 and now you know what my old man used to say to me one of his favorite of many sayings the early bird gets the worm but the second mouse gets the cheese you're still pissed off about the Switzerland thing are you how can I be pissed at you Tony I'm here to thank you you gave me the greatest gift that anybody's ever given me Desperation. If you think back to Switzerland, you said you'd meet me on the rooftop, right? Well, for the first 20 minutes, I actually thought you'd show up. And the next hour, I... Well, I considered taking that one-step shortcut to the lobby. If you know what I mean. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what happened to the first mouse. But as I looked out over that city... Nobody knew I was there. Nobody could see me. No one was even looking. I had a thought that would guide me for years to come. Anonymity, Tony. Thanks to you, it's been my mantra ever since, right? You simply rule from behind the scenes. Because the second you give evil a face, a Bin Laden, a Gaddafi, a Mandarin, you hand the people a target. You're something else. You have met him, I assume. Yeah, Sir Lawrence Oblivier. I know he's a little over the top sometimes. It's not entirely my fault. He has a ten... He's a stage actor. They say his leer was the toast of Croydon, wherever that is. Anyway, the point is, ever since that big dude with a hammer fell out of the sky, subtlety's kind of had its day. What's next for you and your world? Well, I wanted to repay you the self-same gift that you so graciously imparted to me. And from there, Killing reveals that he has Pepper, and he has infected her with the extremist virus, or the uh, enhancement, and she's suffering at this point. Yes. He explains to him that it's very painful. Right. And he sees that in Pepper. Right. And so basically, uh, the ultimatum is, you need to help now, because if you don't, the woman you love is going to die. 
Right, and Maya gets a little bit of a change of heart. Right. And so she's not wanting him to do anything, and uh, we learn that you don't mess with Killian. No, no, she threatens to inject herself uh, and uh, basically trying to get Killian to stop, and so he decides to just help her out instead of stopping her. Right. So he shoots her. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's all up to Tony. Right, exactly. So so the stakes end up getting a lot, mire, lot higher uh, from there. Basically, he's got to go take care of the issue with Rhodey, because we, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Right, right. And, and so, Seven not having much success with it. Exactly. So he, he leaves two goons to, to watch over Tony so before he gets back. So he goes down to where Rhodey's being kept, and he ends up uh, melting the armor that he's in to get him to, to come out. Right. Well, not necessarily melting it. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, he does melt it a little bit, yeah, right? exactly. To, for, for the safety features to kick in and kick him out. Right, right. Right. So he decides, Rhodey finally gets out and he hits the goon, right? right. Yeah. And he thinks he's going to be okay, but not so much. Right, right. So Killian tells Seven to fix the armor. Right. And at this point, we're not really sure what they're going to do. Yeah. They're going to do with it. Right. Obviously, they, they're planning an attack on the president, but we don't know exactly how or how that's going to end up happening. So. Right, but a lot of things all of a sudden get revealed real quickly in the story. The story really mm-hmm. starts to unfold. Yeah. To whereas we're seeing what all everything's that's been happening previously, how it all comes together. Right. Exactly. So we then flash back to Tony and Tony's, you know, goofing around sort of or trying to distract the, the goons that are watching him. Well, I think he's trying to be theatrical. Because he's saying, you guys need to let me go, or yeah. in five, four, three, two, one, you're going to be... Well, you know what I think it is? So there, there's a couple things happening. Number one, he's trying to calculate the distance between Nashville and where he's at in Miami to see exactly how... F- or Rosewood. Rosewood, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. Anyway, In Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. So figure out the distance to see how far the armor has to travel. And he didn't take into consideration... The armor still being locked up in the garage trying to get out. Right. And he also, he asked what the distance was. And, and one of the goons yeah. knew the distance. And he's like apologizing to the other guy like, hey, sorry, it's just something I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which he could be wrong about that as well. So right. That's why. Knows if he's correct. Yeah. You know? So anyway, that happens. He's able to get uh, the armor on and he's able to escape. Finally. Right. So while that happens, Rhodey's able to escape from his uh, guards too. Right. So Rhodey's out, uh, and Tony's out, and so they're they're now working together to figure out exactly what's the next plan. So we know that that Sabin took the Iron Patriot armor to get to the president, and they know they need to get to Washington D.C. because that's where that's where they're at. And so the only way they know how to get to them is the Mandarin's speedboat. Right. So they steal that. Right, and they decide that they need to somehow warn the president. Right, right. And so they, they can't get through to the president, so they call the vice president. Correct. Right, and so the vice president says, okay, don't worry about it. I'm on it. We're, we're good, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll take care of it. Right. And then we figure out that the vice president is compromised because uh, Killian explains to the president that uh, they no longer need his services. They found another person to manipulate. Right, right. Well, 
The vice president tells his Secret Service guy, he says, uh, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Everything's all right. Right. So instead of warning the president, he just sits on that information. Right. And we see that his either granddaughter right. or whatever is in a wheelchair. And right. she's missing so, a leg. Right. So Killian probably promised that he'd be able to heal her. Right. That right. he'd take care of her. Right. So that that's probably the reason why he was compromised. Right. Well, there's always a reason. Right. So Savin takes down the Secret Service agent on Air Force One, and he captures the president. Right. And then from there, Tony realizes that they're on Air Force One. So he goes in the Mark 42 armor onto the Air Force One to help rescue the president. And unfortunately, he uh, is unsuccessful in that. He doesn't know where the president is. He can't find him. And he ends up fighting with Savin. Savin takes out half of the plane and it blows up and all the crew gets sucked out and they're falling in midair well 12 of them eight of them 12 of them yeah. something a a long a large amount a large amount of people and he his armor can't carry them all so he has to resort to some more creative techniques of how to rescue them right right which a barrel of monkeys comes right. into play which i thought was pretty it was a cool sequence so we got this uh sequence of uh free-falling uh, individuals and they're all linking arms. And right, so, a great stunt. Yeah, it was really cool. Because that really had to be yeah. a stunt. I'm sure that all of those people really had yeah. parachutes of underneath course. their yeah. outfits. but yeah. Or they could have had them on the back and they just were blacked out. Maybe they were on a green screen or something. Right, it's possible. Anything's possible. But that was a live stunt, I think. Yeah, it looked like it. And so uh, he, he's able to, by everybody linking their arms, he's able to kind of... Uh, soften the fall over the water and get them into the water safely. And so he's able to rescue uh, the entire crew, which is great. Uh, as he blasts off to go get to the president, a semi-truck comes and crashes right into the armor and it goes blasts in, in, in a million pieces. And it's revealed that Tony's not in the armor. Nope, not at all. He's controlling it remotely. And so thankfully he's not remote. He would have been dead at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so. But we we're led to believe that he's in the suit of armor right up until that point up until that yeah. point so that's pretty cool right so now we know that the mark 42 uh-huh. can be controlled without you being in the armor right exactly so and iron patriot <clears throat> we didn't see what happened to him exactly right right but we did see in the end that the plane exploded yes Exactly. So we know... And the president wasn't on board. The president was not on board. So we assume that the president, whoever was, was in the Patriot armor, kidnapped the president. Correct. Right. But, which we will see in a little bit, yeah. but we'll talk about that when it gets to that point. Right. So Tony, before he realizes he needs to go after Killian, decides, he tells Jarvis to deploy the house party protocol. So we don't know exactly what that is, but obviously it's going to be something that for the for the last battle, right? Correct. Yes. And we kind of figure out at that point that they are, they decide they've talked to, when last time they talked to the Mandarin, he revealed what their final play was. Right. So they know where they need to go. Exactly. Yeah. So they they find themselves on a container ship with a lot of the uh, extremist uh, test subjects there. Right. Because, and the ship that they're on Mm -hmm. is a ship that had an oil leak. Right, oil spill. Oil spill, and all of the executives, the president... Pardoned. Pardoned, and yeah. got, so they got away with it. Right, exactly. Probably something that 
Killian didn't like, or he thought that it would be a great spectacle. Right, to have the Mandarin execute him for, for those crimes. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that, that that's the plan. So uh, we find the Iron Patriot armor show up, and it, it opens up and re- revealed that the president was actually the one stored inside the armor. So right. So he used it as a, pretty much a taxi to, to bring him to there. And so they're going to, like like you said, execute him uh, for, that, for that particular plan because they've now found... Uh, the vice president to manipulate. So if he gets killed, then the vice president assumes the presidency and they control him directly. Right, right. So we're at that point and they're going to put the president up in like the middle of the ship Mm -hmm. and hanging him there right? so that he can burn. Right, exactly. So they're going to, uh, Killian's going to explain now all of that now. So let's listen to his his second monologue of of the film. Welcome aboard, Mr. President. Graveyard. Well, two years ago, the elephant in the room was the scow. This is the Roxanne Norco. And of course, you'll remember that when she spilled a million gallons of crude off Pensacola, thanks to you, not one fat cat saw a day in court. What do you want from me? Uh, nothing, sir. I just needed a reason to kill you that would play well on TV. You see, I've moved on. I, I found myself a new political patron and this time tomorrow, you'll have your job. String him up. Yep, so like we just talked about, he's going to do what he, we just talked about, so we don't need to really right, revisit Right, Roxxon yep. is the uh, ship. Yep. So we get this uh, next scene where we have Tony and Rhodey show up and sneak in. Right, still no armor. Right, exactly, yes. Or either one of them. Right, right. And then uh, all of a sudden a bunch of extremist guys show up. All of a sudden... We find out exactly what the house party protocol is, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I believe it's been referred to as the Iron Legion shows up. Correct. And so these are all Jarvis-controlled iron suits uh, to help fight against these all these extremist soldiers. Right. And when uh, we saw all the armors being burned, yeah, it's obvious that none of these armors were in that same area. Correct. Because they couldn't have been. There was quite a few different, as you, you know, you can go online and you can yeah. see where yeah. people have numbered all the different yeah. mocks, you know, yeah. and uh, which ones were there. Yep. And so we know now that it's not just Tony and Rhodey. Right, exactly. It's all the armor. And all of them are being controlled by Jarvis, right? Yes, yes. The vast majority of them are. And. So Tony tells Jarvis to target every every uh, extremist signature uh, on the the hot signature exactly, and then he says to take him to church. Yes, he does. Right. Uh, that that's when the final battle actually begins in earnest. So there, there, there's lots of really cool sequences where they're fighting against them and doing all kinds of creative things to to take out the soldiers. The soldiers, uh, um, they're super powered. They can uh, modify their body temperature to. Uh, cut through the armors and uh, things like that. So there's uh, fighting going on there. Right? right. And we also know that Tony goes into a lot of the different suits. He goes into yes. a suit. Yep. It fails or they take it out. He yeah. goes into another suit. Right. You know, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. And then Rhodey says, well, give me a suit. And he says, well, you know, they're all, to, they're all tuned to me. Sorry, dude. 
You know, yeah. he really misses his armor. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of it was kind of a, a comedic moment there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Tony uh, goes to tries to find Pepper. Uh, he does find her. Killian shows up. They fight a little bit. He chases after Killian, and while that, that's happening, he's creating a perfect distraction so Rhodey can save the president. Right. Yeah. Right. Which he does. Yes. Exactly. So he he saves the president after uh, a little bit of a scuffle with some of the other extremist soldiers. And then he asks the president, can you get out of my armor? I need this. <laughs> yes. And fortunately, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get his armor, right? I'm drawing a blank here. I think he does, doesn't he? No, I don't think so. Something bad happens to the armor, maybe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Killian's around. Right. And so, because this battle is so intense now. Yeah. Now we also find out that Killian mm-hmm. has got all these powers, too. Yes, exactly. Yep. You know, I mean, we noticed that he, when he heated up the suit, we knew that there was something about that because he yeah. was walking normally. He right, wasn't right. using a cane anymore. Right. But not so much that he was really, he had things that nobody else had. He, like, could breathe fire. Yes, right. You know, so. Yeah, that was cool. He was super intense more than the other. Right. AIM soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, the extremists. Right. So yeah, uh, Tony tries to save Pepper. Uh, instead, she falls into the fire, so he thinks that she's lost. Before he can really deal with that, he has to fight with Killian in a bunch of different ways. So he's jumping in and out of different suits. Killian's taking out each of the suits, and he's losing parts of the uh, legs or the arms. And you know, it, it's it's obvious that Killian is using the full potential of the extremist to take out Tony. Right. It was kind of cool too, in a way. When Pepper falls and he gets upset, yeah, they're like at two ends of this catwalk, right? And they start heading towards each other, mm-hmm. and Tony slides underneath him, right, right, and then gets into a suit. It right. was kind of cool. That's cool, yeah. You know, because you thought Tony's not going to beat this guy yeah. without some kind of help, right? Exactly. Yep. So he tries taking Killian out by putting him inside of the Mark Forty Two armor. To kind of like assemble around him, and then ask, and has uh, Jarvis blow up that armor. Right. So, you know, it's a huge explosion. He gets thrown uh, way far away, and then we see like in the burning part of the explosion, he's comes back and he's reformed and he's totally fine. Yeah, which is not 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 a good sign. Right. And so, how are you going to nail this guy? Right. Right. So he there's no more forty two. It's gone. Right. 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 And then before he could get to another armor, it looks like uh, Killian's got this giant pole he's going to smack him with and crush him. Right. And at the very last minute, who shows up but Pepper. Right. And she's uh, all hot with the extremist stuff, too. And so she's able to take him out. Right. And she does. She right. takes him out. Right. And, and she takes him out. The interesting thing about her is that she's not just taking him out with her powers. She actually cuts into... A piece of Tony's, one of Tony's suits, and uses that as well to take him out. So right, right. She uses both Tony's power and Killian's power to defeat Killian. Right, yeah. and she does. So it's like, then she goes to see Tony, and right. she doesn't want Tony to touch her. Right, because she thinks that she'll she'll kill him. Right, and but she's totally good. Right, yeah. And you know he realizes that hey it's this you know I know that you're infected it's it's it seems like a bad thing but I I can figure this out don't worry about it we'll we'll be okay right right and then he tells Jarvis to institute the clean slate protocol right which we now find 
is a destruction of right. all the armored suits. Right, right. So basically, he's deciding to not give, be Iron Man. Right, give it all up. Right, for her. Right, exactly. Right, so no crutches. Right. Or nothing, actually. Yep. And so we get to a point now where he's going to give us a monologue mm-hmm. and talk about different things. And he's go- he's made a decision that he's going to do some other things, too. Right. And I wanted to tell you that that's where one of the Chinese scenes uh-huh. come up. Dr. Wu uh-huh. is... One of the doctors, mm-hmm. he's the doctor that's going to prepare to do the oh, surgery. Okay, cool. Him and there was actually a female uh-huh. who's a big, big star. I wrote her name down because I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh-huh. Her name was Fan Bingbing. Okay. And she is actually like one of the highest paid celebrities. She's in the Chinese Forbes 500 wow. or 100. Cool. So, but it was funny that. Bing, bing. Yeah. I thought, wow, okay. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, so let's listen to uh, Tony's and the voiceover to what's happening here. And so, as Christmas morning began, my journey had reached its end. We start with something pure, something exciting. Then come the mistakes, the compromises. We create our own demons. Oh. Great to see you. Oh, bloody hell. As promised, I got Pepper sorted out, took some tinkering. But then I thought to myself, why stop there? Of course, there are people who say progress is dangerous. But I'll bet none of those idiots ever had to live with a chest full of shrapnel. And now, neither will I. Let me tell you, that was the best sleep I'd had in years. So we get this montage while he's talking about it. So let's kind of describe some things that are happening. Number one, we see Happy making a recovery in the uh, in the hospital. So he's going to be okay. We right, have, and he kind of he has this uh, moment of distress, and the nurse comes in, and right. he's distressed about. Downton Abbey. Right. That's his show. Yeah, that's one of his shows. Yeah. So it was kind of a little funny part. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have uh, uh, Harley. Yes. Uh, Tony uh, fixes up his garage, so he gives him like all this new tech and things to play around with. Right, and he fixes up the Mustang. Right, and the potato gun. And the potato gun, Mark, Mark two. two. Yep. Right? Yep. Mark two. Yep, and then, so, and then he talks about the fixing Pepper, and uh, he also... Decides to uh, undergo surgery to remove the shrapnel in his heart, so he no longer needs the chest piece. And so right. we, we see him take that chest piece and throw it into the beach. Uh, yes, after and he leaves with a trailer, with the dummy and a few other little things. Yep, yep. And that actually, we have a clip for that too. So we'll oh, listen okay. to uh, what he says while he's doing those things. So if I were to wrap this up, tie it with a bow, whatever, I guess I'd say. My armor, it was never a distraction or a hobby. It was a cocoon. And now, I'm a changed man.
tricks and toys. One thing you can't take away? I am Iron Man. And roll credits. Roll credits. We're like, end of the movie, finally. And we're like, wow. So here we were thinking that he blew up all the armor, and that was it, that he was giving it all up for Pepper. Right. But not so quickly. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. They said that it's not the armor wasn't a distraction or anything. It was a cocoon. Right. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I agree. Well, it's the way they chose to write it in this story. Because, mm -hmm. again, the, this story was more about the character development than it was about yeah. the hero part of it. Yeah, and he kind of restates the thing that he said in the beginning about we create our own demons. Right. So, and uh, we thought at the time that Pepper was telling him that this armor was a distraction. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure she meant that it was a crutch for him also. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that it was just a cocoon, something to help him come out maybe? Yeah, to change. To change. Yeah, he says he's a new man now. Right, he is a new man. Which I, I don't I don't see that at all. And he still seems to be the same kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I would say he's the same guy he was at the end of Iron Man 2. Yes. I mean, he, he, he has, I mean, we don't know if he's completely dealt with his anxiety or not. Doesn't really say, but he does say that you know after he'd taken out the shrapnel, he's slept better. Right. Well, I, but, but the thing is, like, I don't think that part has really changed, has it? I don't think it has. I mean, because we'll see him. It does say at the very end of the grand credits, Iron Man will return, and he does. That's true, and uh, quite a few other movies. Right. And we also note that we'll once we get into him, we'll note more changes. Yeah. And more growth and. There was some growth in this movie. I don't know if I've said it to you, but uh, when I work out mm -hmm. at the Y yeah. or at the gym and I talk to people, yeah. I say baby steps. Right. So this might have just been a baby step from Avengers. Yeah. You know, truly. Uh, not much of a change, but a little bit of a change. Right. And we know that change for real one is he doesn't need any protection for his right. heart now right and, and he doesn't have insomnia anymore right he no longer has the insomnia best night's sleep he ever had right so one doesn't necessarily have to do with the other right okay well that is the end of the movie but at the very end there is a post-credit sequence more of a comedic thing but we decided to, to leave it in here we get uh, a cameo from a character who we'll talk about after we listen to uh, listen to what uh, happens here. You know, and thank you, by the way, for listening. But something about just getting it off my chest and putting it out there in the atmosphere instead of holding this in. I mean, this is what gets people sick, you know? Wow. I had no idea you were such a good listener. To be able to share all my intimate thoughts, my experiences with someone, it just cuts the weight of it in half, you know? It's like a snake swallowing its own tail. Everything comes full circle. And, and the fact that you've been able to help me process. So, you with me? It was, yeah. We're, we were at. Uh, you actively napping? I, I was. I, I, I drifted. Where did I lose you? Elevator in Switzerland. So you heard none of it? I'm sorry. I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm not a therapist. It's not my training. So? I, I don't have the. What, the time? Temperament. 
You know what, now that I think about it, oh God, my original wound. 1983, all right? I'm 14 years old, I still have a nanny. That was weird. Yep, so we get treated to a cameo by Mark Ruffalo. Yes. As Dr. Banner. Yes, and he's not that kind of doctor. Yeah, so, yeah, we were talking about this earlier, and from my perspective, I think that that was a real missed opportunity. So we, we talked about this being the uh, follow-up after Avengers, and we'll talk about the next movie as well, that uh, both these this Iron Man 3 and the next movie are kind of lower-viewed Marvel uh, MCU movies. I think that part of the reason for that is um, that's that's what's missing, is the connection to other characters from the MCU. Right. Well, they're... When they first came out, we had an Incredible Hulk movie Yep, that was a standalone. We had the Thor movie was a standalone. Right. And we had the Iron Man's word standalone and the Captain America. Yeah. So, and then they all joined together yeah. in Avengers. And like you said, the mainstream yeah. came in probably at that Avengers point. Right. So, for them... These characters should be interacting in every movie that they're not in these standalone. Right, and, and we actually got that. I think that's what actually saved Iron Man 2 from being a bad movie. The fact that we had Romanov and Nick Black Fury. Black Widow, yeah, right. and Nick Fury. In they saved that movie. They made that movie actually very compelling. True. So I, I think that's what was missing here. And we'll see Nick Fury and Black Widow in a Phase 2 movie that made it way better. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. So we'll get to that in due time. But my point is, is that they could have had Bruce Banner play a much larger role in the in the movie itself. It would have made it a much better film. Right. Instead of bringing that in the end of the movie, if they right. would have brought that towards the beginning of the movie, because as our listeners will remember, at the end of Avengers, Tony Stark and right. Doctor Banner drive away. Right. Exactly. So they're friends we saw them develop a friendship right in the avengers movie right exactly so that was i think the only real missed opportunity there i think iron man 3 would have been much more of an iconic movie if banner had a, a bigger role so anyway all that being said let's uh let's go ahead and give it a rating and then we can wrap it up Sound okay good? sounds good to me so uh for me i'm gonna give it a six and a half so <laughs> Uh, I, I wanted to give it a 7. I think I might have given Iron Man 2 a 7, but I, I like this movie. No, I, I don't remember what I gave Iron Man 2. Well, a anyway, I, I, six and a half, seven, very borderline 7. It was a it was better than I remembered it the orig when I originally saw it. But I do think that, you know, the fact that they didn't have any other... Um, besides Rhodey, any other uh, characters from the MCU, that, that really made it a lot weaker than it should have been. All right. Well, I'm going to disappoint you, even though it was a Christmas movie. Yeah. But I didn't. The Mandarin character yeah. really buzzed me off. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. No, that's fair. So just based not only on that, I like the story. The yeah. story was a good story, but... There was a lot of missed opportunities yeah. there, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with not only that character, but also with the bad guy. Mm -hmm. With Killian? Yeah, with Killian. Well, let's let's talk a little about that. Because Killian, he, in the Extremist comics, he was a character. Him and Maya both were working at the Future Farm 
corporation that were the developer of the extremist thing, and Killian kills himself in the first issue. Right. He, so could, he, could, he couldn't live with the thought of it being weaponized. And so one of the persons that gets uh, infected with the extremist virus goes on a, a killing spree, and he ends up being a white supremacist. And so that, that's kind of the main – it's not it's not Middle Eastern terrorism. It's homegrown a white supremacist right, right. terrorism. Which so. Seven probably, you know, being a bald-headed guy, he would probably be – Yeah. More like a skinhead yeah, type of yeah. character. Theoretically, yeah. I don't think I don't know if Savin the name Savin was in it, but yeah, very similar. So, right. You know, I mean but, that's a possibility yeah, that so, they tried to uh, Right. If if they and the other part of it is the fact that they called it Iron Man three. It's such a generic name. If they gave it like Iron Man Extremist, that probably would have been a more compelling title and more memorable movie if we realized we could connect it with something. That right, was but all the other Iron Man movies were it was just Iron Man, then it was Iron Man 2. Right. And then now well, Iron Well, I, I think Man it's 3. okay for the first movie to just be the title of the movie. That's right. nothing wrong with that. But like the second film should have something tied to it. And we'll see the next movie that we talk about does have it, uh, a subtitle. And the first Captain America movie had right. a subtitle. He was uh, the, first, the Avenger. first Avenger. Right. And all the Captain America movies have a subtitle. So. Right. Well, the Thor movie, the first one, didn't have a subtitle. No, it doesn't. I don't think the first one is okay, but the the, the second and the third one, you should have something that. You and know, they do have subtitles. Yeah, they, they should indicate what it's about. You know, so right. it's a little bit more memorable. Right. Well, the second movie does say what it's about. Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that one next week, right? Right. That is our next movie, Thor. Right. Yep. Yep. So we're going to talk about the follow up to Iron Man three which is uh, Thor the Dark World. We'll talk about that next week. Right, and that's that's also another thing. Usually there's a teaser at the end. Right. Good point. You know, and there was no teaser. Right. On this one. Right, exactly. There was no uh, indicator what movie was next. Right. Whereas before we were getting that kind of a yeah. theme. Right. So Didn't really set you up for the next movie. No, and uh, understandably... Mm-hmm. Once we talk about the movie and everybody sees why. Right, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So. Yes. All right, cool. So, any final thoughts? Um, Well, I I would say that as a Christian, that well, we've discussed really all the things that we are talked about, about being anxious for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've yeah. kind of gone over yeah. all of the points that I thought about mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, I agree, and the, the demon part of it. Yeah, you know, so, some of it is some 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 of our some of the evil is created by us. Some of it's not. Right, right. We all have the potential as humans because we're born with sin. Yeah, that, that's just come natural to us. You know? Right. That by the grace of God. Right. We're not evil. Right. Some of us. Right. He he holds back evil. Exactly. Yeah. But that's it. All right, cool. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. If you have any feedback, please email us at popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you next week where we will discuss Thor, The Dark World. Goodbye and God bless. Yes, God bless us, everyone.